Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. Today, I'm chatting to someone who I haven't seen in years, but we know each other from way back in the day. In fact, today's guest's younger sister was my bestie when we were little. Um, And today's guest, George Blagden, is someone who is an incredible, multi-talented actor and singer. He's had success in theatre, television and film. After studying at Guildhall School of Music and Drama, his role in the 2012 film adaptation of Les Miserables gained critical acclaim where he played the role of as Grantaire. And many of you will also know George from his role in the television series Vikings, uh, which I have to say my husband is a massive fan. I'll come home from a gig late at night and he always has it on. And I was like, what is this programme? What is this show? And then I mentioned to him, oh my goodness, that's George on screen. I had no idea that George was in this series, but it is so good highly recommend it as well as this George is possibly most well known for his role as Louis XIV in the hugely loved programme Versailles um, which saw audiences literally around the world tune in to see this English adaptation of the incredibly well-known story of King Louis XIV. So George I'm really excited to be chatting to you today about not acting but music and the role that it's played in your life. I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast thank you for giving us your time and I think we should start with saying you know this year has been very um, unusual for many of us how has it been for you how has your lockdown been and um, how have things in your industry been as a result of uh, COVID I guess dare I say it the word yeah hi (laughs) thanks that was the best introduction (laughs) I've ever heard for anyone let alone myself thank you so much (laughs) way too generous um but uh yeah no it's um it's lovely to talk to you again and after all these years I know Um, how long I think how long has it been how long um I'm trying to work I I guess it must be like 20 I think we're both 30 yeah 20 there (laughs) you go at least 15 20 years ago yeah mad um crazy and a lot has changed, particularly in the last year, like you say. It's um it's a, a crazy weird time that I think has affected everyone, but particularly people like us in the arts, you know, a lot of art forms. I guess a lot of the singing that you do is live, right? I mean, I know you have albums you've released and recorded, but a, a lot of the stuff that you do must be live. And my my wife's also a singer and actress and um it works a lot in theatre and I guess these live performances um, have just evaporated. Uh, the whole point of that art form, you know, theatre in particular, is to get as many people <laughs> into one room as possible um, and watch a piece of art. Um, so, you know, that's incredibly difficult. And I just hope that um, that art form hasn't gone for good. And But I think that, you know, we in our industry we're very very good at adapting we've we've sort of had to get used to it anyway perhaps in comparison to people in other jobs you know we, we are in an industry or a career where you're always looking uh for the next thing you never know where your next job's coming from so you are constantly in this kind of mode of adapting to things and i i've like i've been really it's been really heartwarming to see a lot of people in our industry adapt to the situation and a lot of people finding solutions to do things I went and saw my wife perform in Holland Park a few weeks ago um, uh, at a sort of concert version of a little night music 
and it was just amazing. You know, there was two, 250 people there all sat outdoors, socially distanced, watching, um, a piece of theater that, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have been able to, um, do, uh, if we hadn't kind of adapted and find a way of seeing something in an outdoor venue like that. And it was just amazing. And I really, really hope that more and more things like that start to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually, I think it's um, it's really nice to hear you say that that's something that's happening, you know, more recently. And I think we've all been missing that. And in a way, I suppose, and I hope that, you know, obviously, as someone who is in the arts industry, myself, I hope that people will have missed that they will have missed going to the theatre, having that experience, going to a concert, even going to uh, the cinema to see, you know, a film that they've been waiting. And I know that people can do that now again. And it's, it's lovely to know that people are going out experiencing that and and hopefully enjoying it because sometimes it's that it's that thing that people say isn't it when something's gone that's when you realize how much you've missed it um and I think there's lots of I've had lots of those moments during lockdown just realizing even the most simple of things um how much I've missed it but then I suppose also I always talk about the fact that I've had you know my daughter who's nine months old now and and then my husband who's worked from home has had all that time to spend with her so I suppose there's been some silver linings to it all I mean do you you know have you been someone who's undertook the the baking extraordinaire extravaganza during lockdown due to the you know the flower shortage were you part of that George or were you doing uh, more important things <laughs> I uh I wasn't I wasn't part of it I no to be honest I was part of it for an hour when I went to Sainsbury's in the first week of lockdown and it had all gone like the entire there was a whole aisle of baking products there was flour pasta sweet corn I don't know where the sweet corn's gone there's no <laughs> sweet corn in Sa- there still isn't like you can't get sweet corn in Sainsbury's at the moment <laughs> in my local Sainsbury's um that was crazy yeah so I went to try and get some flour for baking there wasn't any I haven't tried since <laughs> nice yeah I know I think we all got really into making banana bread for a while and it's the easiest recipe to make but I definitely contributed to the flour shortage apologies to anyone out I, there well I don't blame you I, <laughs> I did try baking at one point in uh lockdown um and forgot to add baking powder so no. <laughs> I, I can't remember what I made actually I think it was a carrot cake Nice. And it was about a third of the height that it should have been. So <laughs> listen, I'm I'm gonna level with you and say that I actually put the oven and my husband always t- never lets me live this down. Twice I did this. I put the oven onto grill instead of oven. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So mine didn't rise either. There you go. <laughs> Lessons learned. Yes, exactly. Um, so I ask all of my guests eight questions, and you've chosen four songs to go with four questions today. Um and we're going to start with a song that reminds you of good times. I think this is a great song. Um, tell me why this Jason Mraz tune, I Won't Give Up, means means so much to you and, and reminds you of, of happy times. Um, yeah, so this uh, song, um, my wife Laura and I asked two of our dear friends to sing for us at our wedding last year. Um, and... Uh, I sort of wish that I'd recorded their version. Not that Jason Jason Mraz is isn't incredible, but um, it was just so amazing. Uh, I've always loved the song and kind of played it as a kind of feel good tune. But um, yeah, on our wedding day in September last year, we had an outdoor wedding in the woods, um, and uh, you know it was way too cliched and cheesy to be real dappled sunlight through the trees it was actually raining all day apart from the half hour bit where we got married ridiculous it was like Laura got out the car and the rain just stopped and sunlight poured through that it was unbelievable yeah and um two of our dear friends Louise and Zoe um sung this song in our ceremony and it was so magical we had a classical guitarist as well uh called David Buckingham who's amazing um Uh, play the song and yeah I just every time I hear it now it transports me back to my wedding day and um yeah, very cheesy but I uh, I love it and it puts a smile on mine and my wife's face whenever we hear it I love that that's such a lovely story and it's good luck for it to rain on your wedding day I believe so there you go you had the good luck and the daffled sunlight you had it all yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we definitely had it all yeah 
And do you think for you, is, are the lyrics of this song really important as well? Because I, I don't know, personally, when I listen to this and I read through them, I think the lyrics are beautiful. Yeah, it's um, it's just very, very uplifting and um, kind of everything we wanted to say to each other. Um, there is a um, sort of weird bit in the middle, which I can't keep up with when I try and sing along, <laughs> which isn't quite um, like, you know, topical to getting married but I just love the sentiment of it and the idea that you know whatever we come up against whatever I come up against you know I won't give up on this on us so yeah it's um it's uh definitely a feel-good song for me yeah I love it let's have a little listen to some of it now and we'll we'll talk some more so this is Jason Mraz I won't give up even the stars they I love it. So good. Um, there's yeah. some some of the lyrics I love as well in this track, which you, you were talking about. There, there's a little bit I want to read out. It says, I don't want to be someone who walks away so easily. I'm here to stay and make a difference. And I think, you know, Jason Mraz, I was reading about this track and he said, you know, that's for all of us. We all have something that we're fighting for and that we're striving for. And I love that because I think music can mean, you know, this might mean something else to someone. And it means this, you know, it's this memory of your wedding day for you and for your wife, Laura. And that's so beautiful that he realizes that this song means so many different things. Um, and I was yeah. reading as well his latest album, which is called Look for the Good. It was released earlier this summer because I thought, you know, when's Jason, what's he released recently? What's kind of out there? And he's redirected yeah. all of the streams, the sales, mechanical royalties, like literally all of the other profits to Black Lives Matter and other organizations as well. That's sort of um, advancing equality for black lives, which is just. I didn't I, know that. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's so cool, isn't it? And it's like um, yeah. it's a reggae style album. So he's obviously kind of experimenting with loads of different genres there but does hearing it take you back to a specific moment during the wedding or is it kind of a an image in your mind yeah just that just that moment in the ceremony I mean I'm I'm one of those people who tells everyone that I don't cry like I'm I'm not a crier but I then cry at every opportunity <laughs> that I have to uh and I was just gone like you know uh, everyone was looking at me like what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> We're one verse in and he's got tears streaming down his face. He's his like, wife George, is totally you've got fine two, two and a half minutes. You've got two and a half more minutes of this song. Keep it together. Yeah. No, it was definitely a case of that, of like over-egging it too early and then having to stand there <laughs> and listen to the entire song in a mess. Um, but just, yeah, I, I love I love the way that music can do that. And, and definitely for me... Um, that's why I was really excited about doing this podcast with you is because music is such a uh, a shortcut to emotion for me. And I use it often in my work. Like if I'm on set and having to navigate different scenes and things, and often sometimes when you're on set, you can be shooting a scene from episode one in the morning and then in the afternoon be shooting a different scene from episode seven, literally six hours later in really? the drama. Yeah. And sometimes they can be very emotionally different. You might have to suddenly do a very emotionally taxing scene. And I just find that music is um, like a shot in the arm of kind of connecting to your um, emotional uh, bank, if you see what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was. I wanted to ask you that. So if you have, for example, yeah, if you had something that was a scene or something that you're filming that's really kind of heightened emotionally, that's, is that how you sort of work through that and get to that place? Yeah. I, I, and sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> um, sometimes you'll be sat there with headphones and they'll be like, cameras are rolling George we've been here 40 minutes <laughs> no it's not it's never that bad but um some, sometimes it, it doesn't work but I, I think certain situations and what's led up to that scene in the day and sometimes you can just put on a track that triggers something um and uh it can make you connect with with things I also think I think mute that's why I love musicals so much and um I found it really interesting on 
um, the movie you mentioned earlier, the Les Mis movie that I did in 2012, watching some of these actors that I'd grown up watching on screen, but watching them in, in front of me on set, working with the whole premise of sort of acting through song, I, I genuinely saw parts of their work that I'd never seen in any other thing that I'd seen them on screen. Uh, because there's something about acting through song or, you know, performing with music that connects you to a part of yourself that you're maybe not able to access definitely in a, in a different I'm sounding really wanky but um <laughs> no. uh, like it, it's it's uh I just think music's a really easy way to connect with your emotions yeah and I, um, I think I think you're right and I think what we're going to talk about actually one of your your sort of gym hype song is from a, a musical we can talk about that now in fact and I think yeah as you mentioned that kind of I suppose someone else has written the music and someone else has written the lyrics and they've put it on this page. And so you have to interpret it. And it's that kind of responsibility you have, whether you're an actor, a singer, you know, whatever it may be, but you're taking that kind of piece of someone's creativity, a little bit of their soul there, and you've got to kind of create something. And I think that's why, you know, people in that situation put quite a lot of pressure on themselves, but equally the other side of it is that the words are there for you. So it almost gives mm -hmm. you this kind of uh, narrative to run with and, and to enjoy. And the thing is with music, when I, I do quite a lot of, so over lockdown, I've done a lot of teaching that's something that I've kind of managed to do online. And I always say to people, I'm like, take the words away from the music and read it like it's a poem and mm. then figure out where you kind of, you know, where it kind of rises and falls and realize like what that means to you emotionally, personally. And then it's like, put your stamp on it. And that's why music's incredible because just like you've explained, you know, the reason why you loved hearing that song, I Won't Give Up, is because it was two of your, you know, best mates singing it at the time. So it had probably a different meaning behind it, perhaps. Yeah, and and like a totally different meaning behind it since that event. Like I, I often that would be a song that I would go to on my iPhone as part of any other like you know playlist that you listen to. But that listening to that song after the wedding, obviously, there's like a huge different experience listening to it now um, because of that um, extra baggage, I guess, that it's got connected with it. Definitely. So tell me, okay, so we're going from something that I never, ever expected you to choose this song <laughs> from Wicked. <laughs> I have, and I, I always think when we call this, this question that we ask about a gym or a hype song, I have this image of you doing a workout listening to Defying Gravity. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I sent this through and I was like, hang on a minute. Uh, people are getting, or like, you're going to think that I work out to this yeah, <laughs> song. Give, give us a bit of backstory and it's here. George. Definitely not that. I, I I don't really have any music that I listen to when I go to the gym. Um, maybe I should. Maybe that's something that I should work on. But um, so I didn't really know. And then I suddenly remembered. <laughs> um, my uh, it was my final recall to get into drama school. <laughs> um, the day of my final recall going to Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And um, I came up out of the Barbican uh, tube station, which is about, I don't know, half a mile. It's a, it's at it's one a end walk. of... Yeah, yeah if you've been there, if people who haven't been there, it's at, at one end of a very long tunnel um, that's called Beach, Beach Street, I think. Um, and it's about half a mile. And I came up out of the Barbican and this song just came onto my iPhone. I mean, it must have been part of a playlist that I'd had of like, I don't know, hype songs or something. <laughs> um, but uh, it just shuffled onto this song literally as I came out of the tube station. And I was walking down this tunnel and I just full on thought that I was in some sort of movie. I went full Zac Efron on it. Like I was in high school musical and halfway through the tunnel, like the bridge happened in the chorus. And I just started running with my little <laughs> messenger bag on my side and my little like pump shoes on. And... I started sprinting, thinking that I was in some sort of film towards the front door of Guildhall. And as I got to the front door of Guildhall, Elf is it Elphaba? Elphaba was like, sings her last, like, bring me down. And the song finished as I walked through the sliding doors of Guildhall. And I was like, right, well, this is where I'm going. I'm getting in. And this is where I'm going to study. And uh, I'm going to use that song to get myself into some sort of motivational hype from now on. 
<laughs> it's one of the best stories I've ever heard and I don't know why it's such a good story is because I think we've all been there at one point where we're like I am a superhero oh like 100% <laughs> this is my and, moment yeah and music's so great for that like <laughs> I often catch other people like when you're walking down the high street catch other people with headphones on who just like you see them add a bit of extra bounce into their walk you see them make the change where a song is just kicked into the chorus and then they're looking at themselves in a reflection of a shop or something you're like yeah you're in a movie in your head go on <laughs> good stuff oh, I, love that. I love that right well let's let's go there now you're in the tunnel George you're going back to that you know you're not nervous about your final audition yeah. here it comes this is fine <laughs> gravity from Wicked You can't pull me down. Can't I make you understand? You're having delusions of grandeur. I'm through accepting limits. Cause someone says they're so. Some things I cannot change. But till I try, I'll never know. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I uh, I nearly got up and danced around the room, but I, I would, thought yeah. I might kick the microphone over, so I've not. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah, I was doing a little bit of a dance there as well. In <laughs> fact, do you know what it is? I, I have to agree with you that I don't know whether like a, a gym hype song is the right way to put it, but these <laughs> songs they do give you this kind of heightened sense of that you can you can do anything. And it's I think also especially at the moment, you know, the year that everyone is experiencing, to be able to put your headphones in and to just take yourself somewhere else with a piece of music is so needed at times. Yeah. And it can serve so many different purposes. And I think what I love, you know, about any kind of genre of music is that it sort of gives you the the right and the permission to sort of feel a certain way, regardless of, of how you might be feeling or what kind of day you might be having. And, you know, I think I think that's so good. And I, I actually think it's such a good choice. Um, I And I didn't realize this, uh, the whole kind of show has been around for quite a few years I didn't realize I remember going to see it when it had come to um, Broadway in London and I was absolutely amazed by it but also this particular song it's really difficult to sing I don't know if you've ever had a go at actually trying to sing it but it's <laughs> it's quite a complicated piece of music no yeah I mean uh, I've never had a go um is the official comment I'm going to make uh <laughs> might have had a go in the shower um no but you're right it's so difficult and and like uh, these musicals that are sort of staples of part of our west end which sadly are not being seen at the moment um yeah there's a reason they've been around for you know 20 25 slame has been around 30 years now I think so um, yeah 30 because they're just uh they're they they're, they have those perfect ingredients of things that sort of I was talking about earlier where they they force you to feel something that you're sat there in the stalls in the audience and musical theatre like makes you feel something it's not like watching a straight play which can sometimes be an intellectual exercise or you know you can um sort of uh when Elphaba is <laughs> flying across the stage with all of that music blaring at you you kind of you'd have to be weird not to get goosebumps you've got to go with it haven't you yeah exactly yeah, yeah and it's an amazing like you say like music just <clears throat> can make you feel something in that way for you though in terms of you know like you say we, we talked about Les Mis as well at the start and for you you're someone who has performed you know you've been in the theatre um you've done the sort of uh the the big films the the tv series but then i suppose was lame is a really different experience because you're you're kind of taking that responsibility of what people have seen in the west end and trying to put it onto screen did you feel kind of did you feel a sense of responsibility with that yeah i mean yes and no in that um i i think myself and eddie redmayne who played marius um we were, I think there might've been a couple of others, but we, we were the only guys who were playing student characters who hadn't been in the show in the West End. A lot of the other students in the film um, that you see, uh, 
they had they had done a stint in Les Mis in town on the West End. Um, and so a lot of them knew the show very well. And um, uh, I think the pressure was sort of off for them. Um, but uh, I think it was such a different thing as well. The director, Tom Hooper, set out to make a film of this story and his aim was kind of to show what you couldn't see on stage. So if you watch the film, you'll notice that there are lots and lots of huge wide shots, um, big establishing landscapes um, mixed with really, really tight close-ups. And those are two kind of things that I guess you can't get from watching a stage show, seeing the whole of Portsmouth Harbour in a massive aerial shot with, you know, 300 sailors pulling a boat into dock um combined with like super super close-ups of Anne Hathaway singing I Dreamed a Dream these are sorts of things that you can't experience in the stage show so uh, he was setting out to make a different um version obviously it's the same story and the same music um but it's a different version of it so I guess the pressure was off Uh, who am I kidding the pressure was massively on like it was one of my first jobs out of drama school I didn't know what I was doing uh and um you obviously have nothing to compare it to either that was the worst thing was that age 22 I was like yeah this is totally normal in a scene with Hugh and Russell and yeah I mean completely bonkers and I just remember being like a sponge sat on that set like just watching probably with my mouth wide open um <laughs> in awe of these people who I'd seen on screen as a kid and, you know, wanted to kind of have careers similar to them. And it it was, it was just the most amazing experience. Um, But, you know, definitely eight years later with hindsight, you realize you look back and you go, wow. Yeah. You know, I I thought that's what (laughs) being a professional actor was. It's not like that. That was, I was a dream come true. It was also a dream come true because it was the, it was a marriage of everything that I'd become obsessed with, you know? Well, I, I, yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Was that for you? Was that sort of, you know, where exactly where you wanted to go? Because so often with anyone's career, whatever you're doing, you're like, well, I've got to do this to get to there, or I've got to, you know, I, I'm going to take the hit and, you know, yeah, do that, think, but then um, I might get this. It Was it, was it what you wanted to do, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, as an actor, uh, only really, there are probably maybe 10 actors in the world, probably less, who can say, I want to do this next. And it happened. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Um, yeah, it's very, that that is not, um, it's not really what it is to be a professional actor. And definitely, you know, some people might have that attitude coming out of drama school or training, like, you know, I only want to go and work at the RSC but I'm sure you'll know from your singing career that it's extremely competitive and if you have that um, very sort of closed mindset I think um, you'll find it really really hard Uh, that that's just how I see it anyway and so I came out of drama school very much like I want to do everything and everything you know whatever comes my way what auditions come my way um, let's have a crack and see see what happens um but having said that you know I, I at drama school I was sort of I guess because it wasn't a musical theater academy it was a straight acting school I was one of the guys in the year who could um sing and so uh, you know they sort of prep you in your last year for what career they think you might have so they save a leading role in your final year um for a project that they hope will kind of kickstart you into a career so my lead role in the last year was a musical um and I definitely thought that you know musicals was something that I was gonna go and do because I loved them and loved doing them and but on the first day of rehearsals for the musical in our last term at Guildhall I got cast in an American film um that was shooting in Indonesia uh, over the summer and so I um I left and I never did that musical. And I went off and did this independent film in Indonesia for eight weeks. And um, again, that was like, (laughs) there was an actor, a British actor called James Darcy, who you might know from the Marvel films now. But back in 2011, he was the main actor on this job in Indonesia. And I remember him saying, 
dude, it it only gets worse from here. Like <laughs> eight weeks in Indonesia, you will never ever have a film. It was basically like, you know, going traveling in your year out between school or university. It was uh, ridiculous. I was so lucky. Um, but uh, you know, so I came back from that, and they were doing auditions for the Les Mis film, and I just got this new love of working on camera and and screen acting and learning as much as I could on that first film about what it was to perform you know for camera as opposed to performing for an auditorium and so the Les Mis film sort of represented everything that I had grown to love in that last couple of years of training um and so it was yeah again just dream come true I've, I've been very very lucky yeah, but I think also, you know, you say you kind of have have a have a go at anything and everything at that point in your career, and and I think also when you look back in hindsight, of course, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and um, yeah. I think actually I always believe as well that it's that journey that you've come on as well, which is you know kind of. Uh, shaping where you're going to go in the future and and sometimes I forget as well I'll think about performances that I've done in the past and I'll tell someone about and they go that's amazing and you're like yeah I didn't realize that at the time and and I suppose I wish I'd taken taken it in more or sort of remembered that experience and what it felt like but I think that's part of as part of as I say anyone's career isn't it it's the journey that we have to remember to sort of enjoy and it's all those different experiences and the people we meet along the way and yeah. You know, I can say as well from from a someone who's who knew you many years ago to see you do, you know, the films that you're doing now and the kind of incredible achievements. It's it's amazing and wonderful to see. And I think when you see people that you have known in the past um, do so well, it, it's amazing. And I'm sure so many people out there who are, are fans of you would say exactly the same thing. So, oh, you know, well, I think that's very it's a, kind of you. No, you should be really proud because, you know, you've obviously worked really hard as well. And I, I know, speaking from experience of going somewhere like I studied at Royal College of Music, it's it's hard. Mm. It's really hard work. Um, so I think having that experience for you coming out there is, is wonderful. And it's, yeah, it's great. So what a good choice as well from Wicked. It's literally, I love it. I'm so glad that we got to listen to a bit of it as well. Hello, we're here to tell you about the Loose Lips podcast. Me being Georgie Porter. And me, Samira Mighty. We are all about honesty and not holding back, especially when it comes to what's in the news. Plus, we answer your questions and give advice wherever it's asked for. Even when it's not asked for. You can expect to hear a little bit of this. That's so, do you know what I mean? Not really, mate. A little bit of this. Listener letter, I'm a vegan and I'm currently dating a non-vegan. Get over it, yeah. And of course, a bit of this as well. Where (laughs) do you both sit on plastic surgery? (laughs) On my fake implant butt. Bitches. (laughs) I don't, it's real. That's the Loose Lips podcast out every Monday and not forgetting the bonus extra lippy on Thursdays. Find it wherever you found this podcast. We'll see you there. This next song is a song about a love. Um, Again, 
a completely different piece of music, but such a great piece of music covered by so, so many artists. Um, this is Lullaby, Goodnight My Angel by Billy Joel. Um, tell me about this song and, and what it means to you. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I, I felt like this was my own private little song. Up until about two days ago, I had, <laughs> shows you how much like, <laughs> well, awareness you I have the, of the amount, world. The amount of views. Of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like when you listen to bits of music and you're like, oh, I bet no one else in the entire world knows about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is my song. Because I remember listening to it for the first time. I remember where I was. I was in a car driving around a one way sort of system in Cardiff. I can't remember why I was there, but um, I was in the car and it came on radio, too. And I just sobbed in my Vauxhall Corsa. <laughs> it was, George, I thought that, I thought you didn't cry. <laughs> yeah, I don't cry. I don't cry. Absolutely don't. Apart from <laughs> the times I'm telling you in this uh, in this podcast. No, but I I am um, I sobbed because it's just the most incredible like marriage of melody and lyrics and just so so beautiful. And um, I I remember kind of at the time listening to it thinking wow I am going to sing my child that song one day because the the way that it ends I don't know if we'll listen to that bit but there are these there's these beautiful um lyrics right at the end of the song that just honestly I mean if you if you play that bit now I hope you don't because if you do we'll come back to me just wailing down the microphone (laughs) (laughs) through tears but there's some lyrics at the end which um I think uh they they go something like someday we'll all be gone but lullabies go on and on and it, it just like it's such a beautiful um kind of message about any kind of art form really and what we both do for a living you know the idea that um and the idea that I think I don't know if this is true or not but I'm imagining Billy Joel probably wrote this for one of his kids I'd be amazed if he he did no he He did did. well there you go great written uh, for his seven-year-old daughter at the time he's Alexa Ray Joel yeah I mean I'm gonna go um no but like it's just uh it's just amazing because the idea that you can sing this song to a child of yours and and that remain with them when you're gone and then pass that down onto like just the way that art can keep your existence going after you're gone I just find it really really moving yeah and um and yeah I'm going to as you already know I'm going to be a dad very very soon um we're expecting a child and I just as soon as I saw that in your list of questions I'm obviously massive, massively loved up about (laughs) this new arrival at the moment. Um, My wife's a little bit annoyed about it because I just never look her in the eye anymore. I'm just constantly looking at her tummy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I just thought, well, this song, this song represents, you know, this love for something that I've, someone that I've not even met yet. It's, 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 um, It's crazy. So maybe we can have a catch up in six months from now and <laughs> see if I've actually sung it yet or whether I'm still, yeah. <laughs> really like, still horizontal from sleep de- deprivation. <laughs> yeah, that too. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, we need to have a little a little listen yeah. to this song right now and we can talk some more about it. So um, here is Lullaby, Goodnight My Angel. And like a boat out on the ocean I'm rocking you to sleep The water's dark and deep inside this ancient heart. You'll always be a part of me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Everyone's so be like, gorgeous. guys. <laughs> um, I just honestly whoever sings this song as well I it the lyrics for me are just the they're just perfect they're perfection and as you say you couldn't you know you have to believe that he wrote this for you know someone a a child that he was inspired by which that's exactly what he did because you can't make it up and I was looking at 
how you know this is actually this song's been used in so so many films um tv as you can imagine because it's yeah and i think it's one of those um there's a beautiful arrangement by the king singers that's an acapella arrangement it's one of my personal favorites where there's these beautiful harmonies and um i was reading about the song itself and it was originally billy joel wrote it as a prelude to the river of dreams and he wrote it in this style of like um like a Gregorian chant, which is where you have sort of a, a pedal note and then this kind of Latin lyric sung over the top. And it's very peaceful. And he realized actually in this kind of, uh, these Latin words originally in English were describing this man who'd lost his faith. And then suddenly actually he changed it into its own song because you can hear it just, it has to be its own piece of music. But I think from coming from that musical place of, of wow. calm and peace, you can see why it's just so beautiful to listen to and I when I this is so cheesy as well when I realized this was one of your choices I was I was singing it to my daughter Ottilie and humming away and it it is it's the perfect lullaby it really is and I think it's so lovely that you're you know I'm sure lots of people would agree about to embark on one of the most incredible experiences of your life and um obviously as well huge congratulations to you and Laura your wife it's such an exciting time um and I bet I bet you can't wait I can't wait. Uh, to be honest, I'm just here on this podcast so that I can nick all of your baby stuff that you've not used. Oh yeah, ask me, <laughs> ask me any questions you want. By the way, as well, I have none of the answers. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm so excited, and um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, uh, who knows? Like you say, like yeah, you never know what it's going to be like. I guess until um, until it happens, until yeah. your baby's here, and yeah. I think I think like you know my my husband Harry said when uh, our daughter arrived we had so we had some music playing in the hospital and um the Coldplay album came on and I, this is not I'm not making this up and as as our daughter Ottilie was born there was a song from the album which is called Daddy and we didn't no. know if it was a girl or a boy and then they said you know you have a daughter and this song the first lines of the song and it's actually a really beautiful video if you get a chance to to watch the sort of the video that they did with this song it says daddy are you out there <laughs> you oh can imagine my God. if you could see yeah. my arms now all the hairs boom like yeah. wow oh and my god just, just imagine that and I think it's it's that excitement of a new life it's it's such a wonderful time and I just I hope that you know you guys have that time to yourselves to have um create some amazing memories and it's just so special so like I say you know it's a huge congratulations such an exciting time and it's Thank something you. that is such a positive to come out of a, a strange year as well yeah um, yeah 100 percent yeah so okay so we should stop waxing lyrical about babies and talk about this last song <laughs> this is I can't um, remember what is the last song okay um, so this is from empire of the sun oh yeah yeah, yeah I'm so, really sorry. they've all been quite um sort of not sad but emotional maybe there's nothing uh, wrong I, with I don't that know. yeah i'm not the emotional best. though no no not at all <laughs> george doesn't cry that's what we're taking away from this podcast yeah. um so tell me you've chosen well you said you know you love you love this whole soundtrack um this is from emperor of the sun the movie that was released in 1987 and it's a yeah. uh, the soundtrack's composed by none other than the incredible john williams um this one's called toy planes home and hearth tell me about this but i i also said i think any song from this album um and i think i can even um do better than that and say any song by john williams um like you just said the master uh, I think was the category. The question for this was a song that's always been with you. Yeah, exactly. I think that. yeah. And I, I watched this film when I was really young. I can't remember how old I was, but um, I must have been like seven or eight. I, I think I was a similar age to the kid, to Christi- the Christian Bale character in the film. Which you know, questionable. Should I be watching <laughs> this movie when I'm that old? But I kind of watched it um with that naivety of a kid as well and having gone back and watched it as an adult it's amazing because there's just so many things that obviously you miss watching it as a child and um but I remember it being the first experience of sort of what we've been talking about musicals but film scores how they completely how they can completely emotionally dictate what what whatever it is that you're watching um I mean any Disney film that I've ever watched as a kid. Like, you know, I still sing the songs 20, 25 years later. And, um, 
but this score I remember was something that I finished watching the film and I was singing the the the, the melodies of it and and humming it and um I've kind of always come back to it I remember throughout my teens and and then as I started working professionally and as an as an actor a lot of the stuff that I listen to on set are soundtracks um and I've actually worked with directors who have soundtracks pre-done or they they have like a kind of musical I don't know the best way of putting it but like like a musical pinterest board <laughs> that they um that they ask you to listen to before you start filming just what we've been talking about already but that it's just really quick access to your emotions and i think anything by john williams but particularly that soundtrack is um i just find really moving and and you immediately connect it to the images of the film as well um so yeah i'm i'm a big film score fan yeah i agree i think you know I, it's actually something i wanted to ask you if you feel like you know there's a point where is the soundtrack to a movie i mean i know i feel that they are both as important as one another but do you feel like there's one that comes first or does it depend on the film does it depend on you know what's going on in the narrative it's it's so interesting because if you look back in terms of history you know we had silent movies for a long time the the music was so important um yeah. i don't know if you feel like there's one that takes precedence over the other do you mean as in in terms of the soundtrack or yeah. the moving images uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, um, it's really interesting watching films that have no music in um, and or, or, or watching a film that, you know, I've just um, during lockdown, I did a crazy experiment where I have made my first short film entirely on my own. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, but I've gone through the whole process of it's kind of a weird um, I mean, I literally just sat one day and thought, can one person make an entire film completely on their own from coming up with the idea to then getting it to market? So that involves like writing the script and then writing a script that could only involve characters that could be done by one person and then filming it. And anyway, I won't bore you with it. But part of that process was having finally edited it and then doing sound design on it and putting scoring onto it. I, you know, learning about that and, and, um, how music can help or hinder and, um, it can completely transform a moment, uh, completely change your whole perception of something that you're seeing. I mean, to take it away from music as well, like a lot of times in my work, they'll do something called ADR, which... I think it stands for additional dialogue replacement. Um, I could be wrong, but ADR is basically a process where after you've shot a film um, and they're doing the edit, if they have a scene that you were doing outside and a plane went over whilst you were doing the scene and it's like, you know, Pride and Prejudice and planes didn't exist, yeah. you have to re-record all of the dialogue in that scene. So you go into a um, recording studio and you have a big TV screen up in front of you and you're sat in front of a microphone and you have to try and kind of have to like mime yeah okay yeah you have to re-record all of your lines um and a lot of actors that I've worked with have often kind of been like ADR it's such a a pain because like you do your performance um that you wanted to do and wanted to be in the film and then six months after you've done that six months down the line someone comes back and says, can you just come back in and just redo all of the dialogue? Yeah, can and, you just find um, exactly the place you were emotionally at that moment and do it again? Yeah. <laughs> well, not even that, but like to try and sort of be a little bit wanky about it, <laughs> like the music of your voice, um, what, whatever you were doing with your voice in that scene to do the scene, you can completely change there mm. in the studio. And I love doing ADR because you can totally save a performance. And um, what you realise is so much of, if you've ever watched anything on TV and click the mute button on your TV remote, you lose so much. I mean, uh, you're obviously seeing the images, but the way in which characters talk and just voice, let alone music and singing, it's got such a massive impact on um, 
how we interpret where those characters are at and uh, just uh, the amount that you can change a scene by just changing the volume, the tone of your voice. You know, it's it's incredible. Um, sorry, I went off on a deep dive about ADR there, which probably no one's interested in. No, I like <laughs> but, um, it. I love learning but, uh, things like that. People love to hear that. And it, tangents are always the best thing anyway. <laughs> tangents, yeah. <laughs> Let's um let's have a little listen to some of this and then I'm going to I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this song that you might or might not know but I found out some quite interesting things about this particular part of the soundtrack. So let's have a little listen to Toy cool. Planes Home and Hearth. It's beautiful and it's I think also it's so hard when we listen to such a short part of a piece of music that is a, a soundtrack or orchestral it's so hard to get across kind of that that feeling yeah. of the overall um the overall music there but I think what I found really interesting about this particular piece is that there's um there's a, a theme towards the end where the piano comes in and it's a Chopin piece and it's one of his it's called a mazurka which is um it's like a traditional Polish dance which basically means the the music written in that style is always in triple time and that piece comes wow. in and John Williams has used that excerpt at the end of that piece which I never realized I just thought it was sort of this beautiful um melodic kind of piano line that came in and that was written you know over a hundred years prior to him writing the soundtrack to this music and I didn't know that so yeah. I so it's not John Williams there's a this he whole didn't write it no it is but That's he's it. borrowed never listening to it again. <laughs> <laughs> he's borrowed he's borrowed a very small section of uh of Chopin's Mazurka in A minor Pushed? and yeah and I know <laughs> I, I, if only he knew no, wow I never knew that that's amazing yeah and there's some there are actually some that are still lost so they believe there's a few more out there that are either unpublished or undiscovered and it's it's beautiful because that wow. particular type of piece it's what ties Chopin to his homeland of Poland um and it, they're they're really really beautiful pieces of music and I think it's so lovely that actually you know even the great John Williams nods to some of the composers that have come yeah. before him and and we see now as well people in the modern day you know in the the R&B or rap industry or someone like Stormzy using classical music and cross genre to really kind of bring a new audience to that which I love and I, I think that's what's so beautiful about music sometimes yeah absolutely there's um, um there's a kamikaze situation in this film as well which I didn't even know that kamikaze means divine wind and there's a point where Christian Bale as you say who's playing um the young boy in it I think it's called Jim in the movie uh, he witnesses yeah. this kind of essentially like a suicide mission and they sing the Welsh song Suogan in response um mm. Do you remember that part of the movie when you were younger? Was there a moment that sort of stuck with you? It's I I, I remember it now through having watched it as an adult, but I, I I I can't. I think the most memorable thing watching it as a kid was the music and just um, that thing that cinema does, which is escapism. You know, it, it was a very different world from the world that I knew. Obviously, and part of the film and the book that it's based on, I think, is about presenting yeah like an, the empire of the sun like this place on the other side of the planet that the western world you know aren't familiar with and then also going through the second world war it being completely transformed from warfare um and so just images like that really strong images and i'm i'm i probably do have some sort of childlike reference to this kamikaze sequence in the film that i probably i didn't recognize that that was what was happening mm. in the film obviously watching it as an adult um it's really moving but i never knew i never knew that that's what kamikaze meant and um i've i've always wanted you've just reminded me because Su suagan suagan is that yeah. what it's called yeah it's welsh isn't it yes yeah i've always wanted and i've never i've never done it i'm going to do it as soon as we get off the podcast find out what it means 
Oh, I can I can bothered. read you some of the lyrics if Amazing. you like. Yeah. So yeah. um so essentially the this is like an exact translation. So the first verse it says, Sleep child upon my bosom, it's cozy and warm. Mother's arms are tight around you, a mother's love is in my breast. Nothing shall disturb your slumber. Nobody will do you harm. Sleep in peace, dear child. So it's really beautiful and very much like a lullaby, I think. Wow. Yeah. And you can I immediately see want like Laura Wright to do a version of <laughs> Sogan for Ottilie and My Baby, please. Oh, yeah. We've got nothing no better to do. Just go and record Sogan for us, please. And, and upset <laughs> the entire Welsh nation with my terrible, terrible Welsh <laughs> accent. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's like a Welsh folk song. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, it's just traditional wow. folk music, which and and it's I mean, for me, I always suggest when people ask, what should I sing? I don't know what to say. I want to start singing. Say, so just go and sing a traditional folk song because they are not only incredibly poignant and emotional, they're simple, but very, very beautiful. And I think they're yeah. the best things that you can sing if you're learning to sing or just for the pure love of music. Yeah, because a lot of them work unaccompanied. A, a lot exactly. of them are unaccompanied, are they? I don't know. I'm yeah, sure I mean, they're, with music, a guitar, but they're, but, they're very yeah, and they're really moving without anything else. Just a single singer standing singing them. They're very um, affecting. There's yeah. some. In fact, if you do want someone who sings that kind of Welsh traditional folk music very well, I'd listen to Caris Matthews. She's got a beautiful Welsh traditional album uh, full of beautiful music, Amazing. just like that. Yeah. Um, so at this point in the podcast what happens is I suggest a song to you now looking at your choices I found it quite hard to string them together going from Wicked yeah. to <laughs> uh, John Williams <laughs> to Jason Mraz but I think I've tried to find a song that I thought you know George is going to be a new dad he's going to be quite sleep deprived something calming something that's just really lovely and beautiful to listen to nice. um and hopefully something by someone that you might not have heard of. So uh, this is a piece by the composer Olafur Arnold. He's a, he's an Icelandic multi-instrumentalist. He's a producer. And what he does is he uses kind of loops to create quite hypnotic music. But he also uses uh, strings and basically also other things like anything he can find in his home. So he might use, you know, the inside of a piano, for example, or things like that. So quite unusual. Um, wow. I love his music. It doesn't have any lyrics because I thought we've talked quite a lot about lyrics today as well. And sometimes when they're so important to you, hearing new lyrics, I think can be a lot to, to take on. So I thought, let's just go with something that's instrumental. Um, and I, you have to promise me you'll go and listen to it in full after this podcast. But yeah. We'll listen to a little bit of it now. So this one by Olaf Arnold is called Near Light. That is, I'm not just saying this. It's like you've gone into my brain and gone, <laughs> let's just put up a soundscape that will suit him. That, <laughs> that's amazing. Honestly, amazing. I'm, I'm obsessed at the moment with, um, I don't know if you've seen a TV series called This Is Us. Yes. Oh, it's brilliant. But the soundtrack is just, I mean, ridiculously incredible. And um, it reminds me of that and sort of kind of when you were saying how he composes music, one of my albums that I love listening to is, is he called Bonnie Vare? Bon, yeah, bon Iver, yeah. Bon Iver, Bon Iver, and he made his first album. I think it's called Bon Iver in a cabin in the woods, and he used lots of things that he could find. And I definitely feel like when I listen to music th that you know has been created in a unique or slightly different way, you I I really think you can hear it or like feel it when you're listening to it. Um, I, I'm obsessed with stuff like that. So you have absolutely hit the nail on the head there. That oh, is amazing. I'm, so I'm going to go and download everything he he does. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it, I completely agree with you. You can hear it points during this this album of his as well. It's it's called uh, Living Room Songs, I think, this album of his. And you can hear kind of the squeak of the pedals on the piano. And, and I think also for me, especially at the moment, I feel like we've all been, we have literally been locked away in our homes. I think we found the beauty in our own little spaces and environments yeah. that we can create. So um, yeah, I'm really glad that you you think that's a good choice. And, and also, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing, you know, your favorite pieces of music with me and with everyone today and and why they have you know such strong emotional attachments for you and and it's just it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you so so much no thank you for having me on and um i'm sure i've gone way over how much time you were allowed um classic actor like we just give us 10 seconds we love talking about ourselves that's what it's <laughs> so. not what there's a joke about I, i'm half irish so i can say an irish joke my brothers are called seamus paddy and liam it says you know why say one word when you can say 20 i think that's, exactly that's i'm definitely a culprit for that but yeah <laughs> thank you so much for having me on it's been so much fun and it's been a pleasure thanks george i really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast And I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple Reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.